Many of us journal to process what happens to us, both our day-to-day events and our past history. I've been known to destroy my old journals, not because I'm ashamed of what they say, but because to write it helps me to release it. Reading memoirs is another way to move forward, by hearing how someone else has worked through difficult circumstances. Either way, reading or writing about a personal past can make you feel as if a weight has been lifted. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we talk to an author who's not only written many books, but also teaches and coaches others to do the same. Her newest book, Hummingbird, is a spiritual memoir about the connection between three generations of women, the author, her mother, and maternal grandmother, who was her primary caretaker until she took her own life when the author was 10. Diana Robb, MFA, PhD, is an award-winning memoirist, poet, blogger, and workshop leader, the author of 13 books. She is a prolific writer with a passion for healing and transformation. We're so happy to have you on the podcast as we begin 2024 with renewed hope and energy. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. You know, your memoir, Hummingbird, sounds fascinating, and we are recording this episode before its release, so I haven't read it yet, but by the time people are hearing this conversation, it should be available. So nevertheless, I have several questions about this book and I'm very excited about it because it sounds like something our audience would be very interested in. You know, I think since losing so many older people to COVID-19 a few years back, we're all a little more tuned into the generation we've lost, right? Tell me a little bit about why you think you were more than usually tuned into your grandmother at such a young age. I was very turned into my grandmother actually when I was 10, which is I'm nearly 70. So that was 66 decades ago. Uh, She was my caretaker uh, when I, you know, I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. My parents were immigrants from Europe and my grandmother had taken her life in my childhood home. And I was the one who found her. Mm -hmm. And it was a very traumatic moment, but I, you know, I really didn't realize the impact of it till very many years later when I was doing my MFA and studying her life. The reason she had such an impact on my life is she was a journal keeper, and so was I, and she was a writer, and so was I. And so a lot of her wisdoms, you know, she was my primary caretaker and a writer. So we have a lot of connections in that way. That's a, that's a, long foundation that ten, those first 10 years, if you're with her and, and what a, what a sad moment for you. I can't even imagine, um, when you think about her taking her own life, why do you think she did that? Do you, do you process that in the book? Well, I process this in my first book, which was Regina's closet, finding my grandmother's secret journal. Cause after she died, I did find her journal she wrote about her life being an orphan in World War One. She lost her parents when she was 11 years old, and she kept a journal once she came to America. This was in Poland, where she lost her parents to the cholera epidemic. Hmm. And so what ended up happening when our pandemic rolled around, uh, that, was the, that was kind of the connection. We had so many parallels in our lives, everything from being writers to being intuitive to having endured a pandemic, uh, to having mothers that really didn't want us. So we ha- I always had a very deep connection with my grandmother. Hmm. I think maybe that happens with soulmates, and you can't even describe why that happens, although you have described it. Um, 
there seems to be something sometimes with someone, and that happens with grandchildren. And we talk about this on the podcast where, you know, we have 11 grandchildren, but we don't necessarily believe that we are going to be soulmates with every grandchild. But there Mm -hmm. are a few where you feel like, oh, you know, I really connect with that one. And uh, so I get that. You know, I know this isn't the first book you've written. I mean, how many books have you written? 13? Is that right? Yes, Hummingbird is my 14th book. That's correct. It's Hummingbird Messages from My Ancestors. Uh, It's a memoir with writing prompts and reflection prompts. So what prompted you to share this story now? I mean, I know this isn't the first book you've written. So why this now? Well, I guess it was the pandemic that inspired my book. I was at home, like many of us. I was in my office, and there was a hummingbird that kept visiting me every day. Hmm. And... Uh, I've come to realize after some deep meditations that it was really my grandmother that was visiting me. I'm also a cancer survivor, and I also have bone marrow cancer right now, but I don't have any symptoms other than just kind of funky blood work. Hmm. So during the pandemic, the doctors wanted to start some chemotherapy, and I actually had a communication with my grandmother through the hummingbird. And she said, if you're feeling that this is not the right thing for you, then don't do it. So she kind of has been my guide. I've kept pictures of her in my office, and she's been my guide all along. But I think I was able to spend more time with her ever since her her passing during the pandemic because I was home so much. Yeah, yeah. Was this the first time she communicated to you or with you through the hummingbird? Uh, Through the hummingbird, yes. But I have other ways she communicated with me. before the hummingbird. But yes, this was first time. Was it hard for you to wrap your head around that uh, the first time it happened? It kind of felt really natural. You know, uh-huh. my mother, uh, who lost her mother, who, who we're talking about the same grandmother, uh, when she was in her 30s, and my, she's always been obsessed with hummingbirds. And I only realized this after I wrote the book. And uh, so there's something about hummingbirds that connect us to the heavens. If you read about them, they really are, they do, I'm not the first one that's heard messages from hummingbirds from people that have passed. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, that is. I, you know, I'm curious how you processed all of those things that happened to you from, first of all, the age one through 10. And then when you're, when you've discovered your grandmother, I just can't. I guess I can't wrap my head around the idea that you had to process that as a 10-year-old. And you said you didn't really process it till you were in your MFA. But in those interim period between 10 and you're in your 20s, did you feel like any kind of, there was any kind of um, trauma that you were dealing with or you're just completely unaware of that? It's an interesting question because don't forget, she passed away in the 60s and there wasn't a lot of talk about death. There wasn't a lot of talk about therapy. And so, you know, she died. I watched the, you know, ambulance driver take her down our creaky wooden stairs in our small home in New York. And, you know, when I asked what happened to grandma, they said she went to sleep. Hmm. And there was no, my mother was an English major. And the first thing she did was hand me a journal. She said, write down your feelings since I know you loved your grandma, but there was no discussion. Therapy wasn't a big thing. So I really never processed it. Hmm. I think I just had to learn to accept it really early. I did develop childhood asthma, and I think that was probably connected to the stress, the subconscious stress I was feeling. Uh, And so the processing really came much later in life when 
we started hearing about PTSD. We started hearing about the effect of childhood experiences on us as adults. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned at the beginning that you are very, uh, you're very interested in healing and transformation. How does that play out in your life now with pe- other people? Well, I, you know, ever since I've been, ever since I can remember, I've always taught writing. Even when I was like a seven-year-old in my backyard, I was helping the school children write in journals. They would come after school. (laughs) I know. That's funny, but what I wanted to say was I used to do a talk show when I was was seven in my backyard. So I think these things, you know, these things go forward. What are we going to do with them, right? I really believe it. I mean, I I taught a journaling class about 10 years ago to high-risk teenagers, and they're just lost. They couldn't find themselves. They didn't really know the direction to take in their life. And the first thing I asked them is to write about what they love doing as children. Mm. I said, because very often it's connected to a life passion that you have later on. And they were all like astounded. Oh, yeah, I love music. Oh, yeah, I like writing. Oh, yes, I liked, you know, motorcycles or whatever it was. And so I, I do believe in that. I do, too. I've heard that uh, third grade, whatever you wanted to do in third grade for some reason, you know. <laughs> And when I, yeah, and when I was in third grade, I even made up a name for my radio talk show. It was a television <laughs> talk show. What yeah. I really wanted to do was do yeah. something like I'm doing now. So and here you are. <laughs> here I am. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I am also a writer. Just um, I think journaling is is an awesome healing uh, mm-hmm. thing as well. I think we we miss out when we're not writing our thoughts down because sometimes they rattle around in our heads and then they go away. Like some thought that was probably important that you've let escape. You know, I understand you're a grandmother yourself. So how does this whole thing, writing about your grandmother, how did that feel to you to be now a grandmother? You know, I'm I'm often haunted or encouraged by the examples of my grandmothers. I feel sometimes as if they're hounds, that memories are hounds at my heels, making me aware of like whether I want to be a different kind of grandmother or the same kind of grandmother. Does that resonate with you in terms of being a grandmother? Well, I think we definitely learn from our role models. Uh, I think my grandmother died when I was so young that I have very vague memories of her. Uh, I mean, I just, I think, uh, you know, I think it's Maya Angelou that says it's not so much what people do for us, it's what how we feel when we're with them. Mm-hmm. And I just remember feeling really good with her. I felt safe. I felt, I felt creative. So with my grandchildren, I really try, I bought them all journals when they were really young <laughs> and, and even before they could write. And so we'd go out in the forest, they'd collect leaves and, I'd write their name with yarn and we do something fun. So I think I realized that relationship is really, really important. And that the last chapter in Hummingbird is all about legacies and carrying our legacies forward. Yeah. I do believe that the generations, we are connected. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear that in the book, I do talk about ancestors. But I believe ancestors are not just people that are related to us. They're people that have mentored us, people that influenced us, and also places that have we visited that have changed us. Hmm. That's a good thought. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think that's true. I think that's we've had that experience, right, Mike, where we've gone back to places 
maybe go back to your hometown or sure. something. And it has a, it, it, it feels the, I think you understand or feel the uh, impact it had on you as you go back and you look at it. And, you know, I think sometimes when you're driving around with your grandkid and you're saying, look at that house that I lived in that house when I was such and such years old, it doesn't mean much to them. And yet it's really something important to us. So I think that's interesting. You know, one of the things that's, that we found in, in my background is people, ancestors who have passed with, um, secrets going to the grave with them and the the broader extended family is complicit in some way in that they either aren't aren't sharing it and they pass or it's just not okay to talk about it and uh, so eventually those secrets do go to the grave have you had experiences like that did did you uh, are there mysteries that you didn't uncover that that uh, make you feel or drive you in a certain way well, that's an interesting question because when I did find my grandmother's journal, I did find out that my grandparents were living with us because we they were immigrants and so were my parents. We didn't have a lot of money. And so I read in her journal that my grandparents were actually separated hmm. and they were living in the same house and they were always fighting. I grew up with a family that was, they were all, everyone was always fighting. Everyone, there was just no calm, which is probably why I learned to meditate at an early age. So the secret that I learned was that they were divorced, but living in the same house. It was kind of taboo to really announce that you were divorced, but I actually found the court papers. Oh, wow. Going through my grandmother's closet after she passed. So this is interesting to me. So as as you have um, written about her and if, as you read her journals, did it change the way you felt about her? Or did, did it enhance the way you felt about her? What did it do? Oh, I think I I didn't change in in the sense of, but I didn't respect her as much. No, I think it enhanced because I think even secrets that are could be painful is just information that I gathered that I just wanted to know as much as I could about her. My mother, who's still alive, she's 93. She's a terrible historian. You know, I'd ask her about, you know, certain things and she's never had a good memory. Now it's really bad. And, uh, you know, I see in pictures, she was always well-dressed. She was a model in Vienna and it was beautiful, but I wanted to know like, what were her, you know, what were her belief systems? And I just never got a feeling of that. So my imagination of course has to work Yeah. in that, in that realm. Yes. And how are you helping your children and your grandchildren know about you? Well, my grandchildren are still quite young. My kids waited till they were older to have kids. And my oldest one's seven. So, I mean, we look through picture albums and I do needlepoint. I learned needlepoint from my grandmother. So I bought needlepoint for my granddaughters, two of them. Mm -hmm. And we started to do that. You know, the attention span's not there as much. Right. And I try whenever I can, you know, if I'm in a store and there's a dress that reminds me of the one that I wore as a kid, I... I buy it and I tell them that I when grandma had one just like this and they're kind of interested. Yeah. I wouldn't say overwhelmingly interested, but I, <laughs> I think they hear it and they'll probably yeah. remember it. And your own children, do you feel like they're they've expressed an interest in who you are as a as yes. an older woman? Yeah, I think so. My oldest daughter's forty, uh, and I've, I have another daughter, thirty eight, and my son's thirty four. And I think as they get older, they're more interested. I yeah. think, and, and when they became parents, they become really interested. I think when they were younger, they were interested, but it wasn't, I think they were more interested in their own grandparents than their parents. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that happens. And yeah. <laughs> lots of people have uh, children that they name after their grandparents, not their parents. It's as if yes. you know they want that to continue, but not so close in the generation that it's the, their own parents. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which is yeah, it, which exactly. is a wonderful homage to the the people mm-hmm. who are gone. So that is a sweet thing. Diana, it's been wonderful talking to you about your book. I am kind of interested in hearing what it sounds like from you. And so I wondered if we might have the privilege of listening to some of your book and having you read it. Sure. I will start from the beginning so that everyone's grounded in the same place. Um and the first chapter of Hummingbird Messages from My Ancestors is called My Story Begins. From an early age, I have been obsessed with storytelling. As an only child growing up in a hard-working family of Eastern European immigrants, I was often alone and left to fend for myself. The peace I found in reading and writing became a lifelong passion. The passion intensified when I was 10 and began keeping a journal after my maternal grandmother's death, which because of our deep connection was absolutely devastating. Afterward, journaling helped me through my troubled adolescence as a hippie in the 1960s, my enforced bed rest when pregnant with three children, my grief over the losses of many loved ones, and my struggles in coping with two cancer diagnoses. Journaling has led me to become a published author of several books and a writing coach in workshops designed to inspire others to write their own memoir. Please feel free to use this book as a guide as you would be attending one of my workshops. In it are examples of memoir writing stories I tell my students and some of my familial ancestors and explore my own life in light of those who have influenced me the most. my grandparents and my parents. I also explore how writing about them, especially my beloved grandmother Regina, continues to give me hope and inspiration. Various chapters address subjects such as how my grandmother's nurturing caregiving contrasted with my mother's narcissistic tendencies and how my grandmother's lessons have helped me through my illnesses and the recent pandemic, how understanding the traumas of our ancestors can give us perspective. how conscious living can help us navigate challenging times and how gratitude and being in the moment can help us live life to its fullest. I also write about the importance of sharing stories from our past with future generations. We stand on the shoulders of giants even though we might not agree with some of their beliefs or some of their choices that they made. And as always, I write in awareness of the tremendous power words have in shaping our lives. I believe that in addition to having familial ancestors, we also have ancestors of spirit and ancestors of place. However, this book mainly highlights familial or blood-related ancestors. Ancestors of spirit are those who come before us whose calling is similar to ours. For example, mine would include Florence Nightingale, Anna Eastman, Kwan Yin. Intuitive such as Sonia Shaket say that her ancestors of spirit or master teachers include Mother Mary, Jesus Christ, and Mary Magdalene. Connecting with my spirit guides has also inspired different aspects of my life, especially when it comes to how I've been told I'm a healer in many realms of life. 
Ancestors of place are those who became before us who were in a particular place where we were born or lived that we might feel a certain connection. It could be neighbors we knew or maybe someone who built a house for us. At the end of each chapter, I offer a series of reflections or writing prompts to inspire you, the reader, to identify and explore significant events in your own life. You may find stories in this way that you want to share or write about. My hope is that you will find patterns of experience that show you the way forward, just as I have tried to demonstrate through my own memories in this book. By connecting with our ancestors, we obtain access to their deep wisdom, insights, stories, and guidance, which help us navigate our own lives. Thank you so much. That That is fascinating, and I think it gives us an idea of what the book is about in terms of how it's going to help us navigate our own memories and things. So I think that that's really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. And I'm so hoping that, that your healing goes well and that you feel well while you're healing. And uh, (laughs) thank you for sharing that story with us because that's not an easy thing to share about. Thank you very much for saying that. You're very welcome. I posted a saying on Facebook a few weeks ago that said, as you focus on clearing your generational trauma, do not forget to claim your generational strengths. Your ancestors gave you more than just wounds. You know, I wish I could credit the person who wrote those words, but they really are so true. And don't you think Diana is a perfect example of that? She is. I can't imagine what she's been through, but I also can understand how, you know, it might have taken a few books and a few years. Yeah. To process. Well, I'm just so impressed that she doesn't blame her grandmother for the choices she made. Uh, She just really wants to know as much about her as she can. And the fact that she feels her grandmother's presence in these visits from the hummingbird, it seems to indicate that she and her grandmother, they still have that bond of love and that they still accept each other. Yeah. It challenges me to do that for those who are living in my life and for those who have gone ahead, because it is easy to just kind of blame people for everything that is wrong in your life. But, you know, none of us is perfect, right? So we live knowing that we are not perfect. They are not perfect. All of our lives are to some point flawed, a little bit messy. And mixing that in with the beauty and joy is honestly living a fuller life. Yeah. A more mature life, too. I think when you're younger, you tend to blame everybody for everything. And as you get older, you start to, because you start to realize how how that's going to work on the other end, and you start being a little more gracious and forgiving. But but if you never learn how to lean into the hard stuff yeah, and work out your own way of, of managing, understanding, processing that, you miss out on the the rich maturity of life. Right. And you you can process that through journaling and you can process that through reading about other people's troubles and the way that they handle things. Speaking of handling things, let's talk about what's in our future. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about speakeasy. Which is a way to handle things. Exactly. It's designed as a way to handle exactly. things. Exactly. And I think it, you know, it's kind of pulling the curtain closed, being very private about things that we want to talk about, not always complaining, but also just working through things. If you're not a journaler or if you're not a person who reads memoirs, this is your opportunity to to sit down and talk with other people. And um, let's just talk a little honestly about this whole thing. It's going to happen once a month. It's going to be kind of like a Zoom call, correct? Yep. So you get an invitation um, and there will be a cost. 
but it will be very minimal. It will be less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. So here's how I look at it. We could have a, a group chat at a Starbucks and you would be required to um, buy a coffee. You'd you be guilted into it. <laughs> exactly. Somehow or another. Yeah. So and enjoy this your coffee at home. Enjoy your tea, whatever you like. It's very customized. And save the extra pennies that uh, you won't have to spend on the, the fancy coffee. Right. And we are doing that just to cover our expenses and um, m trying to move forward and some kind of value in what we bring to you. So hopefully you will value it enough for less than the cost of a cup of coffee. Every month, yeah. We have always wanted this to uh, give rise to community. This, mm -hmm. is, this is an experiment, another way to look at how we might be able to, to foment community around intentional grandparenting. Right. And we have talked a lot about all the great things about grandparenting, and we have kind of ignored or not said too much about the hard things about grandparenting because we have millennial children listening and our grandchildren possibly listening. And we, not, or we don't have a lot of secrets, but we're just trying to make it so you feel comfortable in a private setting. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. We have made traveling and vacationing with little ones easier, less stressful, and um, less expensive if you look at, you know, what it would cost for baggage fees to carry along everything you need for, for a little one when you go on vacation or trips to visit family. That's next time on The Grand Life. <laughs>